Welcome to Pushing the Limits with your host, Lisa Tarmody, where it's all about health optimization, anti-aging, longevity, and being the very best you can be. Brought to you by lisatarmody.com. Well, hi, everyone, and welcome into Pushing the Limits. Today, I have Dr. Rob Silverman, who was a guest previously on the show a few weeks back, and I enjoyed his company so much. Um, um, I've got him back on for a podcast on longevity. So we're talking about the hallmarks of aging. We're talking about supplements. We're talking about gut health and a whole range of other things. Dr. Rob is the author of Immune Reboot, uh, runs a big practice in New York City. He was chiropractor of the year a few years ago. He's a nutritionist. He's a, uh, a mind of information and I love what he has to share. So I do hope that you enjoy this episode with Dr. Rob Silverman. I was also on his podcast recently, which which was a blast, and he's a real, um, a, a special educator. He's a very good lecturer. He uh, lectures for things like Rupert Health in America and teaches lots of other doctors, and he's a minefield of information on longevity. So I hope you enjoy it. Before we head over to the show, a reminder that we have a survey going at lisatarmity.com forward slash survey. If you wouldn't mind, it's anonymous, but it helps us find get feedback on what you want to learn about, what you want to hear on the podcast, topics, uh, health issues that you may be dealing with, things that are on your mind. Give us a bit of your feedback, share with us, and we really, really appreciate it. Take two minutes of your time, anonymous, as I said, and just we really, really appreciate that, getting some feedback for the show. Um, also, head over to lisatarmody.com. I'm getting a new look website soon, but we're not quite there. Uh, also, setting up a new website for our hyperbaric oxygen clinic, which is now going to be called Long Life Hyperbarics. If you're in Taranaki or New Plymouth or you want to come and visit us, uh, we would love you to check out what we do at the hyperbaric oxygen clinic um, in Oakura. So you can head over to, at the moment to lisatarmody.com and look up hyperbarics on there, but soon we will have a new website. We're also working on our new biotech company, uh, Avram Labs, and we'll be telling you a little bit more about this as we go along. We're just in the formulations phase and getting our scientific advisory board together, doing lots of exciting things at the cutting edge of longevity. So make sure you watch out for Avum Labs. It's A-E-V-U-M. Exciting stuff coming down the pipeline. So I'll just uh, leave you with that. Right, over to the show now with Dr. Rob Silverman. Well, hi, everyone, and welcome once again to Pushing the Limits. Today, I have my friend, I dare say now, Dr. Rob Silverman. We've been hanging out quite a lot this week, Dr. Rob. Welcome to the show. I'm happy to be here. Love returning, and you do a stellar job. We were just talking before about everything inclusive of health and life, and I think you are delivering immeasurable tools for people to utilize to get themselves to the next level. Well, that's because I get to interview legendary people like yourself, Dr. Rob. So that's that's why, you know, you get good people on and you hang around and you learn from good people. You end up talking a bit of a sense after a while. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Dr. Rob, you're the author of Immune Reboot, which is your book. Um, and last time we had you on, we, we went all over the show. But then I watched uh, one of your lectures that you did for Rupert Health, actually, a wonderful lecture on longevity. And I thought, aha, well, that's what I want to hear. So I, I, I want to start with, with, with you. Basically, 
walk us through long the, the longevity world is blowing up. We're hearing of all these amazing breakthroughs. It's super exciting time for people like you and me because we're like, you know, especially in our mid to late fifties, we're like, hurry up, guys, we've got to sort this stuff out because we're aging and we've got to slow things down. And this is what the show is about: is longevity, high performance, health optimization. So I want to hand the reins over a little bit to you to sort of talk me through uh, the hallmarks of aging, and then go into from there wherever you want to go to. Sure. So I appreciate that you listened to me. You were the one and thank you so much. <laughs> let's, talk, let's talk about longevity. Um, let's let's get a definition. Longevity is lifespan versus health span. But truly, what's the difference? Lifespan is obviously how long you live and health span is how long you live without chronic disease. Now, interesting, it shouldn't be just lifespan versus health span. I believe it should be lifespan, health span, and truly vitality. Because if I'm healthy and I don't have a chronic disease, but all I really can do is watch television, that's not really the kind of longevity that you and I want. I want that vitality. I want to be able to go rocking. I want to be able to go hiking. I want to be able to dance with my wife. I want to do certain things of, of such. So for me, I look at stats. They are, I'm a number guy. They drive me. So the World Health Organization in 2022 talked about stats in the U.S. It was 77.5 years the average American was expected to live. However, they're expected to live in full health 66.1 years. Mm -hmm. So there's an 11-year difference. Globally, it's about a 10-year difference. So that doesn't really imbue me with any kind of enthusiasm. My goal for you, me, and everybody that we work with is to elevate, raise the roof on longevity and clearly parallel rise so health span and longevity uh, meet each other. Mm. And I think that when I say longevity, I'm talking health span and vitality. It, it's absolutely, because there's no use us being in a wheelchair and, you know, and, you know, I've worked with mum for the last eight years and rehabilitating her, and that is a tough road, I can tell you. If I can prevent people having to go through what we've been through and having that health span right to the very end and then hopefully extending our lifespan uh, as well, then that's that's what I'm after. That's my whole goal in life is to is to do that, is to study that, is to help people achieve that. So how do we do that, Dr. Rob? Why are we got this comorbidities by the time, you know, 10 years of sickness, basically, before we decline and actually die? Well, the issue is that we have these things, as you referred to before, as the hallmarks of aging. So let me give you a litany of them. Number one, you were so kind to mention my book. Obviously, I do believe that immunity is a critical element. That's why I have the idea of immune reboot. As everybody can see in the back, you want to press the red button, stop where you are, <laughs> and reboot your immune system. And you want to be able to reboot your immune system and give yourself immune health, immune balance, immune resilience. That's the term you want to talk about. That is a fashionable term with longevity. Your immune system is resilient. It's flexible, it's variable, it's strong against multiple type of variations and pathogens. So that would be the first hallmark of aging. Number two, inflammation. That is my credo. I want to manage and modulate inflammation. I think the problem with many Americans and people around the world is that we're pre-inflamed. And pre one of the biggest mm. inflammatory markers are food. Good food is a potentiator for health information. 
Bad food is a potentiator for inflammation. So we want to quell inflammation. We don't want to shut it off. We just don't want to let it rise or stay too long. You know, metaphorically, I like to refer to inflammation as cooking on a stove. So you put the food, you turn on the um, oven, you turn on the pilot light, and that pilot light cooks the food, you shut it off. Perfect scenario of the usage of inflammation. But what happens if I turned on the pilot light and I turned it too high? What would happen to the food in the uh, dish or the food Mm -hmm. in the pot? The food in the pot would burn. Now, what happens if I left the inflammation on too long? All the other pilot lights, like a circulatory system, would all light up. So clearly, the ability to manage and modulate inflammation will enable us to cascade to good quality, longevity, health span, and vitality. The microbiome. Now, you said the podcast is an hour. We could be here for eight hours talking about the microbiome and still need more time. The microbiome, we're talking about our gut microbiome. 80% of our immune cell is in our gut. It's where our macro, our foods, and our micro vitamins and minerals are absorbed. All health begins in the gut. As Dr. Alessio Fasano once said, all disease begins in the leaky gut. So my goal is to keep your gut barrier pristine and allow you to have a strong, robust, biodiverse microbiome. The fourth hallmark of aging I like to talk about is mitochondrial dysfunction. And you, Lisa, know a lot about that because of your ultra-competitive, ultra-endurance sports. Your mitochondria has to work overtime. Mitochondria, powerhouse of the cell, as we all know. Mitochondrial dysfunction means that it's not optimizing the ability to make ATP. And when it doesn't optimize ATP, it makes excessive free radicals called reactive oxygen species. It has been stated that Many of the neural degenerative diseases that we talk about now, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, and the such, have a mitochondrial dysfunction component to it. Something that's very unique for me because I'm a chiropractor, it's fascial injuries. How would I describe fascia? Has anyone ever pulled the skin of a chicken breast apart and there's a skin, here's the chicken breast, and there's this white film? That's fascia. Yeah, this was interesting. Yeah, no, fascia, actually, you know, just, just on that, you, you, because you're a chiropractor, you know a heck of a lot about fascia, and some of the, your lectures, I've been like, wow, I didn't know any of that about fascia, so tell us, it's 20% of our entire body weight? 20% of our entire body weight, it allows for what we call tensegrity, the ability to hold our body tight. Surgeons used to remove the fascia post-surgery, and that led to a lot of failed surgeries. They have since stopped that. Fascia connects to the skin. So it's the largest organ in the body. And it's the only organ Mm -hmm. that touches every system in the body. And Mm -hmm. it is an intracellular communicator. So you, Lisa, if you have a shin splint or you, Lisa, have tennis elbow and you have damage to the fascia, you're communicating inflammatory signals throughout your body. Because as we know, a body's an interconnected organ. So for us not to address fascial injuries may be an oversight on a lot of the practitioner's parts. The next thing I like to talk about is vagus nerve tone. I'm all mm-hmm. about the vagus nerve. Mm, love vagus nerve talks. Oh, it's been a conversation piece for the last five years, the vagus nerve. In that is cranial nerve number 10. It's in the cranium. Mm-hmm. It goes from the medulla oblongata down through the transverse colon. Essentially, the bottom of the brain stem going through the 
carotid foramen down through into the transverse colon. So basically in your intestinal region, it attaches to something called a neuropod, which enables it to communicate and sense what's going on inside your gut. So your vagus nerve is your main communicator from your microbiota to your gut-to-brain axis. It's the critical neurological impulse that allows you to speak from your gut to your brain and communicate with your super highway to health. So it goes up 80 to 90% efferent. It's 90%, excuse me, it's about 10 to 20% efferent on the way down. Mm -hmm. Vagus nerve tone has been depicted strongly in recent data as one of the key components to having long COVID and having many issues with breathing, heart rate, decreased heart rate variability, Mm. and digestion. So when vagus nerve tone is decreased, you're shutting off your digestion process because vagus nerve is a rest and digest nerve. It's a wine and dine nerve. Mm. Everybody's doing everything to stimulate vagus nerve tone or to equalize vagus nerve. Why? Vagus nerve is associated with what we call the parasympathetic nervous system. It's your one and dine system, as I said before. You you have two systems. You have a sympathetic, which is the accelerator in your body. It's your fight or flight. And you have the parasympathetic, which is your brakes. You want the right medium. I believe that vagus nerve tone or appropriate vagus nerve tone really exemplifies the idea of homostasis. Mm -hmm. So if I went boo and you went... Vagus nerve shuts off, sympathetic goes up. Yep. If I say, Lisa, it's a great day, have a little wine. Let's have the conversation like we were before, you know, reflecting on life. Up comes your vagus nerve, down comes your sympathetic nervous system. So they're more like a balance. They're a seesaw between the two. So for me, in a musculoskeletal line, I found that if I'm able to stimulate the vagus nerve, and I'm able to help quell a lot of musculoskeletal injuries. Wow. And you can do so uh, mm-hmm. with low-level laser therapy. I'm mm-hmm. a big laser fan. Mm-hmm. So I've got a patented protocol that allows me to laser the vagus nerve wow. to decrease the tone. Nutrition and lifestyle also lead to proper vagus nerve tone. Omega-3 fatty acids, L-citrulline, intermittent fasting, proper sleep, all will allow for proper vagus nerve tone. If I were to continue with this, and I know I'm giving a little bit of a dissertation on the hallmarks of aging, but I think this backdrop, right. <laughs> thanks. This backdrop is critical for us to really have some conversation pieces. There's also what we call something, the telomere shortening. Mm-hmm. So as telomere shorten, you get closer to uh, termination. The loss of muscle mass, and I know this excites you. It has been stated, Gabriella Lyons says it all the time, <laughs> muscle mass is your longevity organ. And yep. I agree. However, I want to up the ante. Dr. Rob says it's not just muscle mass. It's muscle to fat ratio as a next step up the health ladder Mm -hmm. in that I'm a 185-pound male. Let's say I have 10% body fat. Mm -hmm. If I'm a 205-pound male and I have the same muscle mass, but I have 20 extra pounds of fat, that makes me a 22% male and I'm on my way to, I'm overweight going towards obesity at some point. So the ratio is also critical. The baseline is muscle mass. The next step up is muscle to fat ratio. And lastly, grip strength or performance strength. So 
you're an endurance athlete. There's climbing, there's things like that. You know, you not only need to have muscle mass and a good muscle to fat ratio, because you don't want to carry any extra weight mm-hmm. and adipose tissue, but you mm-hmm. want to be strong. That's mm-hmm. the height of it. So I think she made the baseline. I think we've added those steps to it. So I like all, it. All, yep. It's, it, it's, it's a new concept and it's really, um, people are running with it. I'm excited about it. Disrupted nutrient sensing. So essentially not to go through all the different um, pathways. The idea for health is to turn on the proper switches and shut off the ones that do not promote health. So again, Christmas tree, you have to turn everything on for it to go up. The health tree to a human, you have to turn on the right switch, turn off the raw, the switch that needed to be turned off because it can yep. be pro-inflammatory. And lastly, compromised autophagy, really going to the idea of us not being able to rid ourselves of bad cells. Those hallmarks of aging, I makeshifted them, really yep. came from a 2013 article. 2023, let's see what they said. They said, one, are you ready for this? Mm-hmm. All hallmarks of aging are interconnected. Dysbiosis, the leveling of good and bad bacteria is a newly added hallmark. How much good bacteria do you need? 85%. So everybody out wow. there, yeah, you yeah. really can't take a day off from your health meal schedule. You need to eat healthy all the time. So dysbiosis is an added um, hallmark along with chronic inflammation and disabled macro autophagy. Mm-hmm. But Rob, you said autophagy. There's three different kinds of autophagy. The autophagy mm. that won a Nobel Prize in 2016 was micro. It meant the cell crushed itself and got eaten. Macro autophagy means it expands and explodes, a similar process, and we need to wipe away the cellular debris. Wow, that's a new one on me. Okay, I didn't know that one. The micro-macro autophagy. <laughs> I was learning something today. <laughs> I'm happy you didn't ask me for the third one. <laughs> oh yeah, what was the third one? <laughs> I didn't want you to ask me because I can't remember it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll both look it up after <clears throat> of autophagy, <clears throat> and and <clears throat> let's go back. And I want to talk about the immune system because I'm fascinated with the immune system, especially at the moment because my um, my company that I'm working on. Uh, Avum Labs is where we're going after the immunosenescence story. That's going to be, that's the foundation of understanding how that affects. I think that that affects, well, it does affect all the other hallmarks of aging. And so let's let's talk a little bit about the immune system. Why is immunosenescence a problem? Why do we lose our immune system? And what's the difference between boosting immune system and having a resilient immune system? Really good questions, but you know, you you talked about immunosenescence. Yeah, that was that was a big brand question. new article. <laughs> T cells, T cells, which come from your thymus. Yeah, why do they say people like us who have you know, like had it? a few circles around the universe <laughs> have compromised immune system? Do you know why? Because our thymus involution it yeah. shrinks. Yeah, it shrinks, so we don't have as effective T cells. So those who have effective T cells, interestingly enough, are able to have a better immunosenescence, get rid of cells. Now, what is a senescent cell? What does that mean? It means it's a cell that's dead that doesn't have enough sense to go away. And we refer to them 
with a nickname. They're called zombie cells. The Boris Karloff zombie, the monster walking around, spewing <laughs> out inflammatory markers like cytokines. So good T cell production, good quality immune system from uh, the aiding of um, intermittent fasting, mm-hmm. really going to lead you down a path of getting immuno. Senescence. Now, you talked about the idea of immune balance. It's immune system. Now, there's really three lines of defense in the immune system. There's your gut and every and everything with your digestive tract. But I think when you refer to your immune system, most people look at your innate immune system, which you got at the time of uh, birth, which is your 365, 24-7 uh, security guards of your immune system. They're stealthy. Um and in that, they're those uh, macrophages, they're neutrophils, they're your Marines, they blow everything up. And then you also have your adaptive immune system, which have B and T cells. So the T cells, again, come from your thymus, the B cells come from your bone marrow, those, mm-hmm. beans, those B cells are antibodies. You want to balance between your innate and your adaptive immune system because you want to transition from one to the other. So that's immune balance. Now, you talked about immune rejuvenation, I think was the term you used. Mm, And resilience. So as opposed to boosting, because everyone's going around boosting their immune system. That's not what you want to be doing. (laughs) Brilliant. You don't want to boost it because if your immune system's like this, all you're doing is boosting that, and there's still a drop from one ledge to the other. They need to be balanced and in sync. Your innate and your adaptive immune system need to be in sync. There's supposed to be a perfect straight bridge between the two. Immune rejuvenate. So you don't want to boost because you, you'll want to boost it later. Immune rejuvenation, that term was coined in 2020 by the father of functional medicine, Dr. Jeffrey Bland. Mm-hmm. He talked about breaking down old immune cells and making new cells, rejuvenate yeah. cells. So it's kind of like getting rid of the raisin and making a new grape, yeah. full and bursting of energy and, and the ability to perform. So that's immune rejuvenation. If you have an immune rejuvenative system, you can now support it. And of course, if it's balanced, you have a much better chance of being immune resilient. So it's kind of like the person in a room that four people have COVID and you didn't get it. You got that immune resilience yeah. to use that as an example. And what about autoimmunity? Because autoimmunity, you know, nowadays is just rife. Like it's we've got people with all sorts of hundreds of different autoimmune diseases. Um, why, why do you think that autoimmunity has gone through the roof? And where are we? What what can we do? You know, this is an overactive immune system that's attacking itself and attacking its own organs and parts of the body. What's happening there? I, I love what you said. That that is the uh, the title to the cliff notes: an overreactive immune system. But it's so much more when you delve into it, and people don't realize how prevalent autoimmunity is. So autoimmunity, inherent in the word. Your immune system attacks self. So we think our immune system's complex, but when you really think about it, it's quite simplistic. Something passes and is exposed to our immune system, let's say through our gut. Mm-hmm. Our immune system looks at it, reads it, and says one of two things. Is it self or is it foreign? Because if it's foreign, in comes. It gets attacked. All our immune soldiers attack it. But if it's self... We let it flow through the immune system easily, you know, without any um, disruption. Now, the yeah. problem with autoimmunity is when our body gets confused and it starts to attack self 
thinking it's foreign. So a classic example of autoimmunity would be rheumatoid arthritis. Another classic example of of autoimmunity would be lupus. Mm -hmm. Thyroid issues. Mm -hmm. Our body gets confused between the foreign substance that's passed and attacks different body parts in different body structures. However, neuroautoimmunity is fascinating in that Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, and neurodegenerative diseases all have a gut origin and they all are autoimmune conditions. So they're bidirectional and they're autoimmunity. So I think the biggest issue that we have and the biggest reason why I want to quell and hopefully vanquish unnecessary chronic inflammation is because it leads you down a path towards autoimmunity. Yeah. And and this is just, you know, absolute everywhere. And it's, you know, the toxins that's our environment, our processed foods, our, we, we, we're getting a lot more food allergies because than we used to have because we're overreactive, you know, we're, we're, we're responding to a hundred different things and you can get, you know, food allergy testing and you can, you know, you, uh, you've talked about a couple of testing and we don't get those ones in particular here in New Zealand, but the importance of doing food testing and understanding allergies versus sensitivities. Um, and also that when you are allergic to a food or sensitive to a food, um, it's not necessarily that that food's gone forever either. Can you tell us a little bit about food sensitivity testing before we sort of go on to other things? Sure. I do test for food allergies, but I test all my patients for food sensitivity. So let's differentiate them. Yeah. Food allergy is an IgE-mediated response in that you're going to have a quick, strong reaction. You're going to have swelling. You're going to, you could be anaphylactic. So everybody's been on a flight where, where the flight attendant has said, please, no peanuts, no nuts. Someone has a high peanut allergy. That is a real strong food allergy. Food sensitivities are IgG mediated. They're vastly different. So from the time to ingestion to the time that symptomology comes out, it can be up to and delayed for 72 hours, Mm. three days. Mm. So in three days, how could you as a patient know three days ago that that food stimulating inflammation now, yeah. how could I as a doctor even attribute it because I'd ask you, well, is there anything eat that upsets your stomach? Do you feel a change? You would not be able to do, go back three days on a timeline to attribute broccoli three days ago is giving me inflammation now. So within that, I'm a big proponent of testing. Don't guess. I love to test all my patients for food sensitivities. Here it is. Here's the takeaway. Here's the clinical gem. I believe that food sensitivities are one of the main reasons for hidden chronic inflammation. Just interrupting the show to let you know about our patron community here and the podcast at Pushing the Limits. We've been going for eight years and we really need your support to keep the show on air and free to everybody so that everyone gets this fantastic information uh, from all these great doctors, scientists, athletes, business people from all around the world. So we would love you to come and join us. You get a lot of exclusive member benefits when you do, but really it's about supporting the show and keeping it on air. And for a coffee or two a month, that would be fantastic if you can come and join us. You can go to patron.lisatamati.com. That's patron.lisatamati.com and check it all out. Yeah, 
a chronic low-level inflammation is then the cause of so many of the aging problems that we see and all of the diseases and the autoimmunity and so on and so forth. So hitting those chronic, that you know, chronic low-grade inflammation is really where we need to be focusing our attention. Um, and it's part of that whole aging process that we get more and more inflammation as we go on. You know, and this is where the immune system, I think, coming back to the the immune system is really at the core of this whole thing because when you've got leaky gut, for example, you're going to be speeding up the aging of the organs. You're going to have poisons basically leaking out of your gut into your bloodstream, causing autoimmunity, causing inflammation, causing all sorts of problems in, in the in the body. So <clears throat> sealing up that gut and having the right foods to do that and the right supplements to do that is a probably one of the most important things that I think we can do. And, you know, zonulin, zonulin. Tell us about zonulin. Ah, uh, so you basically want to keep biomarkers for longevity. So <laughs> zonulin is on my list of biomarkers for longevity. Zonulin is a yep. protein enzyme that depicts the stretching of the tight junctions. It was found in 2000 by Alessio Fasano. I mentioned him earlier, accredited him with a fabulous quote. Zonulin is interesting because here's the best way to do it. Here's an epithelial cell. Here's an epithelial cell. They meet. This is a tight junction. It's like a fence around your backyard and there's attachments at the gate. So tight, nobody can see me. Zonulin is the functional pull of the tight junction, therefore making it more permeable, leading us down the path of leaky gut. However, if you want to go from a tight to a true loose junction, zonulin pulls hard enough that there's actually structural failure at the tight junction, which would elevate another protein enzyme called occludin. Then you would have a loose junction, and then you would have a more advanced case of increased intestinal permeability, aka leaky gut. Now, zonulin's interesting, and I know the reason you asked, and it was a great tee up, so I could hit the ball, and I appreciate that, in that zonulin is a systemic inflammatory marker. Studies have shown that people have a higher waist circumference. People have more incidence with diabetes, more wow. incidence with autoimmunity, higher blood pressure. And I think the reason is because when your gut's leaky, it affects all these other systems. Yeah. And it is without question the leak or the region that's going to lead you down the slippery slope towards inflammation and autoimmunity. So zonulin is a great choice. One more I'd like to add in, which you should always do in a gut barrier test, not only zonulin, you should test for LPS, lipopolysaccharide. Mm. And that's Lipopolis. not in all the tests, is it? It's hard to... Well, yeah, I think there is a test. And, you know, I'm happy to share where I get it. And we'll see if uh, I can connect you. Yeah. So you can share it with all your followers out in uh, your continent, if you will. Yeah. That's right. New Zealand, correct? New Zealand, yep. And Every, that, yeah. So it, it, sometimes we don't have availability of all the tests that you guys in America have, unfortunately. But... We may do. I am not sure. But this is something that I was unaware of that we could actually test for LPS. Right. Absolutely. LPS, lipopolysaccharide, holds the gram-negative bacteria on the inside of the intestinal wall. So actually, when it's inside the gut, 
it's quite healthy. It actually manages, modulates inflammation quite well. Mm -hmm. Inside the gut, LPS stimulates interleukin-10, which is a anti-inflammatory interleukin, which has the switch to shut wow. off interleukin-1-beta, interleukin-6, interleukin-8, and TNF-alpha. Wow. However, when it's, exposed, huh? wow. when it's exposed, it flicks that switch, shuts off interleukin-10, and perpetuates the uh, turning on of interleukin-1-beta, interleukin-6, interleukin-8, and TNF-alpha. Yep. So LPS is also a direct binder in that it binds to specific structures and organs and causes a real detrimental effect. The expression of LPS in the bloodstream has shown to increase the incidence of heart disease three times. Yeah, and this is lipopolysaccharide. So this is Lipopo the yeah, lipopolysaccharide, correct? The outer shell of the gram-negative bacteria that are in your gut that have then leaked out into the bloodstream, correct? Yeah, yeah. Let me piggyback on that. So you're right; it holds gram-negative bacteria. And when LPS is shown to be positive in a test that it's outside the gut, you obviously have an increased expression of gram-negative bacteria. 80% of gram-negative bacteria is pathogenic, to speak to what you just said. So LPS not only itself indicates direct binding type damage, but the gram-negative bacteria is, ca is causing injury too. So LPS is El Diablo because it causes chaos. And me. Wow. wow. And so this is really why we need to look after our gut. And if you look at, I heard you say, there was a study done on centenarians, I think, and they had a very diverse microbiome compared to a lot of other people um, who don't make it that long. So having a diversity in our microbiome to protect our microbiome is a very important piece of this puzzle, isn't it? Having, it is. You know, I think, I'm sorry. I Sorry. think the microbiome is. I'm. I'm just excited, and I'm from New York, so I'm here. I'm. I'm letting it rip, as they say. <laughs> I agree with you. Gut health, immunity is the key to longevity. So that was a new study from Tufts Medical Center and Boston University School of Medicine. It really helped to answer the question of how people lived to 100 years or more. The centarians in this study possessed a unique immune cell composition and activity, giving them a highly functional immune system, allowing them to live longer. They had bacteria that was one, um, beneficial. They did not suffer from dysbiosis. They were biodiverse. Remember, our gut is an ecosystem. And the more diversity we have, the more properties we have to pull from to be healthy. And they basically had a microbiome that com was comparable to somebody who was 50 years younger than them. Wow. So all health begins in the gut. Yep. And, and this is, you know, like one of the problems that I see with things like very restrictive diets um, or very, you know, one-sided diets or diets that are poor in fiber and poor in vegetables and, and things like that, um, we don't get that diversity. We get a very one-sided, you know, one-sided microbiome, if you like, with not enough diversity in it. And then when we put in things like antibiotics, which save lives, you know, like let's not um, forget that antibiotics are sometimes absolutely crucial. You can die without them um, and have revolutionized the, the world of health. But at the same time, they are all wiping out 
your good microbiome. And so you've got to be very, very diligent when you've been on an antibiotic regime and if you've been on antibiotics for for years. And it's it's different. It's not just like we we've been told sometimes that you just take a probiotic and it repopulates the gut and there you go, bang, you're good good to go. It's not quite that simple, is it? Tell us no. what your take is on the whole antibiotic, and then what do you do after if you've had antibiotics? Any any gems of wisdom there? So I hope this isn't a misnomer. I'm not anti antibiotics, as you said so articulately. They have their place. However, we have to understand that when we're exposed or we have to ingest an antibiotic, it does do damage to our good bacteria. It's not a bacterial phage, which is a sniper for one species of bad bacteria. It blows everything up. It's a nuclear weapon. Yeah. So within that, we have to repopulate our gut Mm. once we take an antibiotic. So the best thing to do is to take probiotics. But here's the secret sauce to the probiotic. And it's not just switching the type of probiotic to get the biodiversity. It's taking a probiotic with prebiotics. Prebiotics feed the probiotic. If you take a probiotic on its own, it's live. It needs to eat something. If you don't flourish it with food, guess what happens? It may turn around and eat your mucin lining, and that lining is the lining of your gut. So I strongly suggest prebiotics with probiotics. Now you can get prebiotics with probiotics in a supplement form. You can also add to that by increasing your fiber content or your ingestion of fiber. The average American consumes eight to 15 grams of fiber. We need 35 to 50. So clearly we're really depressed. Now increasing your fiber 10 grams per day decreases your mortality rate by 10%. If you're in the top 20% of the ingestion of fiber, you decrease your mortality rate 49%. So if you want a longevity hack, the main new longevity hack, guess what? Eat more fiber. Get your prebiotics. (laughs) Pretty simple, actually. Like eat eat more. And where do we find fiber? And Because it's not... You know, we're told fibers in our bread and our pasta and our uh, the whole grain, the, the grain story, eh, problematic. I like getting my fiber from vegetables. You know, uh, what's your take? Uh, I, I, I double down on that. As many vegetables as you can. I love the fiber from the vegetables. And I agree with you. Grains have their place in limited dose. Again, grains have some fiber, but they don't have high fiber. They're very calorically dense. Yeah. And most grains also are of the omega-6 uh, variety, therefore essentially can be inflammatory. Mm. So I'm not saying don't eat a grain. You, you know, I'm an extremist and you are too. I'm sure if I said don't do something and you'll increase 1% over the next year, you're in. <laughs> and, and that may be a lot, that may be a big ask for everybody. So I always try and do very few absolutes, but I will give you a few absolutes. And these absolutes are American absolutes. They're not in New Zealand because you have a different ecosystem. You have a different soil. In America, I would recommend my acronym, which is called GPS. I say it all the time. No gluten, no ultra-processed food. 63% of Americans consume their calories from ultra-processed food. No added sugar. DNA. No dairy. And man, when I go to the Midwest, they do not like me. No dairy. 
<laughs> no nicotine, no artificial sweeteners. And two more caveats, no deep fried foods and don't cook with vegetable oils. There's yeah. no vegetables in vegetable oils. Nah. So avoid those industri- processed industrialized seed oils. You do those eight things here in America. Yeah, you're same here. Same here. mark on your health outcome. Yeah, yeah. And and like, I think the vegetable oils is a totally, um, everywhere you go, like this is the difficult, it's difficult because you go out to any restaurant where the food would be otherwise quite healthy perhaps, you know. But it's cooked in vegetable oil. Everything's cooked in cheap vegetable oils, which are just a bastardization of the word, really. (laughs) Um, You know, I'd love restaurants to start cooking with good quality, cold-pressed oils, you know, avocado oils, even coconuts, even ghee would be better than um, industrial solvent gotten vegetable oils that are wrecking the membranes of our cells, you know, and the membranes of our cells are our building blocks of our body. Uh, this is this is such crucial stuff. And they hang around. Like if you said to me, would you rather have a vegetable oil that's bad or a sugar? And I had to have one of them. I'd have the sugar because it can burn off the sugar. But the mm. vegetable oil is going to become a part of my body. You know, it's going to integrate into my membranes, so to speak, when I have them often, you know. This is problematic. <laughs> I agree with you. I think I would take the sugar as well because sugar works with the reward center of your brain and at least you'll feel a little happy from it. Whereas the vegetable oil, I can't see any health benefits or happiness benefits. No. And and for membranes and, and the membranes are the brains of the cell, you know. Okay. So let's jump now into just um the uh, some longevity hacks. Give us some quick fire longevity hacks that you you've just given us a few on the on the on the uh gluten and the DNA and the GPS um acronyms, which I love. What else have you got in your toolkit that you would say, do this, don't do that? <laughs> this is your priority. Maybe start with sleep, you know, or something you know like I, that. You know what? I would definitely start with sleep. Sleep is the critical rejuvenative act. It's definitely leads you down a path of longevity. Seven to eight good hours of sleep would be great. Exercise, obviously, we talked about incorporating resistance training. I think the key takeaway there is 50% of your exercise should revolve around resistance training. And when I say resistance, you can use body weight. You don't have to load up a bar with 500 pounds. Again, it all starts in with nutrition, food, let food be your medicine because medicine is your food. Again, to reiterate, dramatically reduce sugars, starches, ultra-processed foods, health detectables. I know Lisa uses a lot of them. This way you can gauge a glucose monitor, an aura ring. I own no affiliation in any one of the two of those things I mentioned. Any kind of health detectables are a great choice. Meditate. I'm a type A personality. I mean, mm. if I don't meditate, I get a little too antsy. Yeah. Obviously, intermittent fasting and with some caloric restriction is going to be the one-two punch for effectiveness. It's really going to help your circadian rhythm. It's going to also help you bolster your immune system. For me, the secret modality, um, which people should utilize more, is low-level laser, class mm-hmm. two laser, the f- one of which has photonic energy, electromagnetic transfer of energy. Mm-hmm is the way to go. So you want your laser to be photochemical, not photothermal. Mm. Purpose, mission, and and community. 
you know, part of the great part about a podcast is to feel part of a community. Um, for me, hormesis, you know, hormesis is like cold and hot exposure. Yeah. And, you know, I the, love it. Yeah, we're made to be stressed. So yeah. hormesis is a bit of a stress. So shock proteins provide some interesting things in that, you know, um, these heat shock proteins protect against neurodegenerative disease like Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, Huntington. They also help present against cardiovascular disease like heart failure, atherosclerosis. So I have a sauna. It's about 140 to 160 degrees. I try and go in three, four times a week. My head's out. So I perspire. You're also getting rid of the toxins. Then I jump in a shower. I don't do the cold or the polar plunge. It's just not for me. I try and get my um, my temperature in the water 50 to 59 degrees. I stay in there for five minutes. These are cold shock proteins or reserve proteins released from the liver. They're dumped into the bloodstream. They're anti-inflammatory. They support wound healing. They increase muscle repair. They increase protein synthesis, and they increase free radical oxygenation. So those would be some of the key elements. Of course, supplements, we talk about them all the time. You know, my favorite supplement without question is BPC-157 for longevity. Every time we're yeah. on, we're talking about it. So what is it? Well, here it is. It's a peptide referred to as a Wolverine supplement because it has amazing healing capacities. You will heal before people's eyes. It's kind of like the Wolverine comic book character in the Marvel comics. But some of the benefits are as follows. It speeds up tissue healing and recovery. It aids in angiogenesis, which is the regeneration of blood vessels. It helps in the regulation of blood pressure. It reduces post-workout pain. It accelerates bone healing. It also promotes joint and tendon health. It reduces the risk of oxidative stress. It's been shown to help with gut dysbiosis and gut damage. It's also a nice choice to help somebody with if they have long COVID. So my secret sauce to it all, my hidden gem, the supplement for longevity of 2024, BPC-157. Yeah, it's definitely, it's in my range. I love it. I use it every day myself for gut health for, you know, rip something, rip a muscle, look, look, you know, rip, rip a tendon. Um, I did want to go back and just briefly and get you, um, what is the difference between low-level laser therapy and red light therapy? So uh, are they the same or is different? You opened up Pandora's box. Oh, no. But <laughs> red light therapy is a light-emitting diode. It's vastly different than laser and low-level laser. They're coined together. They're used synonymously, and they're not synonymous. LEDs typically generate heat. And I do sauna, but I don't like generating heat from a device. I found it to be not as versatile and not as effective as a true laser that has a laser diode that's emitting photonic energy that gets absorbed by the body to cascade and metabolize cells. So for me, low-level laser is the modality of now and longevity. So um, can you get um, home-based low-level lasers or are they only sort of the sort of thing that you can do at your doctor's office that, you know? The ones that I use are physician oriented. However, we're able to get them to patients. Mm -hmm. So for instance, if you were interested, I could 
get you a laser. Yeah, well, hey, I am very interested in finding out more, actually, maybe doing a deep dive with you on lasers and looking into it. I mean, I'm a big fan of red light therapy, but I need to understand the nuance and what the difference is with laser therapy to go deeper into that. So, yeah, I would be definitely keen to do that. Um, well, we can definitely talk about that. Okay. Um, I'd be happy to. I do a, a lot of uh, laser with my patients. I happen to lecture on it and I love it. And I think people do need to know the nuance. You know, yeah. We at, again, from America, if this person says this, the other person has to say something completely different. Yeah. That's <laughs> me. Maybe this device works and maybe my device works differently. And I'd like to think that the device I'm talking about works better. But that doesn't mean the other thing is crap, as we say, because if you're better than crap, what are you? Just interrupting the show to let you know about my longevity and anti-aging supplement range. I'd love you to go and check it out. Go to my website, lisatarmity.com and hit the shop button and you'll see a curated range of supplements, the latest in anti-aging, longevity, health optimization, performance optimization. I've gone out into the world, interviewed the most amazing doctors and scientists, as you'll know if you follow the show, and gone and got some of the best products that are out there. Stuff that I give to my family, that's what's in my range. So go and check it out at lisatamati.com. I, I, I just want to understand the nuance of all these different things, you know, because they do. And, and I do find, you know, when I'm interviewing like, like, you know, dozens and dozens of people or hundreds over the years, not every scientist agrees with every other scientist or doctor. You know, like we all have our areas of of the rabbit holes that you've gone down and where you have a really deep knowledge and other other things. But low-level laser therapy, um, I mean, I, I'm really keen to find out more about that. So we'll have to maybe do a session on that at some point and, yeah, get you to get you to share your 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 amazing insights with that. Um just before we wrap up, Dr. Rob, is there anything in the longevity, coming back to the longevity picture, um, that we that we didn't cover that that you wanted to to share today? You know, I, I think there's one thing that I want to tell everybody, and that would definitely be the idea of the biomarkers of longevity. We kind of touched upon it, but I'd like to wrap yeah. up with that. Yeah. So I believe that blood test biomarkers. So we mentioned these interleukin-1 beta, interleukin-6, interleukin-8, and TNF-alpha. They're mm. inflammatory markers. If they're elevated, not only are you going to have failing health, possibly, you're also going to have musculoskeletal failures. Mm. So interleukin-6 and interleukin-8 can really indicate back pain and back injury. C-reactive protein, tissue inflammatory marker, and HSC-reactive protein. The number one reason for high-sensitivity C-reactive protein, which differs from C-reactive protein, in that HSC-reactive protein increases the inflammatory status of the artery wall, is mm. visceral fat. Mm -hmm. Hemoglobin A1C, a marker, and my two genetic markers I think everybody should take. APOE4, yeah, which great. have that, right? I know we talked about that before. It leads you down a path of a higher incidence of Alzheimer's, Alzheimer's disease. Yep. And you want to know the status of your MTHFR, MTHFR gene. We all have one, but are we methylating correctly? And that's a whole webinar to its own. Oh, yeah. Are we over-methylating or under-methylating? LPS, zonulin, mitochondrial dysfunction, maximum grip strength, 
LP little a, which is your cholesterol marker, which indicates you have a higher incidence of genetics towards heart attack, simple blood pressure, body composition, telomere length, VO2 max. So those are the markers for longevity. I would want everybody to put on their list and take a look at it and test yeah. periodically. Yeah. And and some of them we 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 can get down here. Most of those we can, but not all. The interleukins, I think we're going to have to that they're a bit more difficult. The other other one that I'd add to that list would probably be homocysteine. That you, you know, can check your homocysteine levels, I think is should be a part of a standard sort of workup. See how you're methylating, how your cardiovascular risk is looking, you know, all of these sorts of aspects. But all of those are really, really important. And one of the big common denominators there is that inflammatory, so it's that inflammatory picture. So doing things that are anti-inflammatory and I'm not talking about NSAIDs and co. I'm talking about what are your favorite anti-inflammatory supplements or foods? Number one favorite anti-inflammatory supplements before we wrap. Um, yeah, you got to run. Fractionators. Fractionated fish oils, they allow for the resolution of inflammation. So special, uh, so pro-resolving mediators, because I think, yeah, I talked over you then. So SPMs. SPMs. Uh, well, yeah, SPM is a little different. So pro-resolving mediator is the uh, precursor to specialized pro-resolving mediators, virtually uh-huh. synonymous, but they do allow for the resolution of inflammation. They allow for the homostasis of inflammation. Mm-hmm. Uh, turmeric is a great choice. It decreases yeah. the expression of F- NF-kappa B, omega-3 fatty acids, vitamin D, Vitamin D is a virtuoso of sorts because it provides a swath of health-promoting properties. Pre and probiotics to keep your gut real healthy. And believe it or not, I would go with the last one, alpha-lipoic acid. Alpha-lipoic acid because it's such a strong blood sugar modulator. And I think that one of the major reasons for increased inflammation in America is yeah, yeah, yeah. And berberine would be another one that I'd add to that. Berberine and ALA, very, very um, good for that, you know, because that, that blood sugar regulation is is probably one piece we haven't really touched on today, but that metabolic piece is 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 absolutely crucial um, in, in keeping your blood sugars regulated and not, you know, excessively high in insulin resistance and all of that sort of good stuff. Dr. Rob, you've been absolutely fabulous again. Can't wait to do it one more time. I'm sure we'll we'll and we'll catch up maybe on low level laser therapies or whatever you're you're into at that point. Um, but you're an absolute treasure trove. I love learning from you. Thank you so much. Just Thank you. Remember, this, remember the key to longevity is turning on the health switches. The master switch is having a robust, resilient immune system. Amen. <laughs> Thanks, Doctor Rob. That's it this week for Pushing the Limits. Be sure to rate, review, and share with your friends. Head over and visit Lisa and her team at lisatamati.com.